Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. You know, many times we focus on people who have done some special things in their lives, had so much experience, but inspired so many others to give them a great experience. And that also comes in the way of education. We found somebody who has made it their life's work to inspire others. And not only has this guy taught for many years, he's also an author, professor of Latin American history. He's our Educator Hall of Fame. Dr. Manuel Urbina is with us on the program. Welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Wonderful to have you with us. Congratulations on many years of, of teaching and accomplishments. How many years has it been? If you, if you look back, uh, I try. I have a timeline, actually, but I have to do the math on it. How many years in, uh, in teaching Latin American history? Yes, uh, I taught uh, college history for 47 years. I started at the age of 27, and 47 years I taught history. Uh, and I might add, I also built a history museum, a personal history museum, uh, alongside so that I could uh, take artifacts, historical artifacts to class, uh, for example, to take uh, original uh, money of the uh, Texas, uh, pardon me, the American colonists' paper money uh, to, to uh, uh, finance their uh, independence from England. Well, since uh, I took the money that was uh, backed by Spanish mill dollars uh, or, or, or Spanish silver uh, uh, piece of eight. So, uh, in other words, uh, it was uh, a combination of 40 years, 47 years, uh, in which uh, uh, I was, uh, again, history was and is my profession, also my hobby, as well as my recreation. Amazing. So, when we talk about this museum, is it a physical museum that somebody can visit? Okay. Uh, it is a museum uh, there here in Houston. And uh, I have arranged it so that uh, classes, college classes, high school classes uh, can come and I give lectures, you know, because uh, uh, we have uh, a vast uh, collection of materials. Uh, I can just, for the sake, sake of, uh, of completion, uh, just very briefly tell you the sections that we have. We have the pre-Columbian uh, sections. All of these are artifacts, uh, original artifacts. Aztec, Mayan, uh, uh, and then we have uh, Olmec, of course, and then we have the colonial section, which we have some uh, a original uh, artifacts of, of the con conquest, conquistadors, spirits, uh, and so uh, Just to give you an example, uh, and then we have the uh, Texas uh, uh, Revolution, uh, 1836, breaking away from Mexico, a whole uh, section, uh, including bilingual dollars in Spanish and in English, uh, published by the state legislature of Coahuila and Texas. As you know, Texas was part of Mexico from 1821 to 1836. Uh, and then afterwards, we have a section of uh, uh, the Mexican War, the war between the United States and Mexico, 1846 to 1848, with swords and rifles of that period of time. Uh, we also have a section of the French Empire in Mexico uh, when the Maximilian uh, 
of France, uh, 1862 uh, to 1867, the French Empire in Mexico. And then we have the Mexican Revolution, Pancho Villa, Emiliano Zapata, uh, with the largest uh, collection of authentic uh, Mexican Revolution paper money uh, on paper, uh, public display, and also a very uh, large amount of uh, uh, interviews, bilingual interviews, that I made with the uh, surviving veterans of the Mexican Revolution. Uh, some of them were 102-year-old uh, generals who fought with Pancho Villa and who fought with uh, Emiliano Zapata, as well as with the widows of uh, uh, Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata. So I hope I did not bore you by giving you a long speech on the museum that we have classes, uh, college classes and high school classes that come, and I, I give them uh, lectures as well as materials uh, for their educational uh, needs. Wow, I, I find it fascinating, uh, Manuel, I really do. Is is there one particular artifact or piece in the museum that you you personally are more proud of or just it's 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 your it's a piece that you're really happy about okay well well, uh i uh am very proud of the section that i have not mentioned yet uh of the presidential history of uh of the united states and mexico Uh, i have uh, 17 uh original documents of American presidents and Mexican presidents. Example, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, original document, signature, uh, as well as Benito Juarez, original document, signature. They're they're framed together. So we have uh, 17 U.S. presidents and 17 Mexican presidents uh, with original uh, autographs. uh, The the two Roosevelt's, for example, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, as well as uh, Woodrow Wilson and uh, Benzano Carranza uh, and uh, Porfirio Diaz uh, and uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, and uh, uh, we we get uh, John Kennedy, for example. So again, I'm very, very proud of that presidential uh, collection. As far as I know, is the only one in the United States where we have 17 authentic, original, uh, signed, autographed documents of American presidents uh, together, uh, each one with their counterpart, a signed, authentic uh, presidential document of a Mexican president. So uh, that would be uh, the, the most uh, enthralling uh, piece of the entire museum. Amazing. Uh, let's go back. Your life. Now, you emigrated to the United States from Mexico. And yes. you know, from that point forward, how did you get uh, such an interest in Latin American history and then go on to teaching it for many years? Okay, very fine. Could I mention something that I have in the museum? Sure. Uh, which is the uh, picture of myself, you know, getting my PhD with, with my mother, uh, you know, and uh, I mentioned there that uh, we, we both picked cotton. Uh, I was 13. Well, actually, uh, and, uh, with my mother, so we both picked cotton. Uh, so I said from the cotton patch uh, to the um, pinnacle of academic excellence, uh, Ph.D. Now, in answer to your question, I uh, immigrated at the age of seven. At the age of 12, I started picking cotton. At the age of 16, I dug uh, sewer ditches uh, and uh, 
and, and then I became, uh, you know, working in, in stores as, uh, as, as a grocery store clerk. But the specific uh, point that uh, triggers everything is my father's interest in education. Now, could I read you uh, a, a article, uh, some notes that I wrote about uh, his his interest in education and how he impacted my life? Could I read that to you? Yes, please. Yes, uh, he was he was born in 1899. My father was Reverend Manuel Urbina. I am the second. Uh, he was the son of illiterate Coahuiltecan Mexican Indians who illiterate who did not want him to go to school because they considered education to be unnecessary for sheer survival in the midst of dismal poverty. He convinced his father to allow him to work in an hacienda in the outskirts of Linares, Nuevo León, Mexico, so that he could go to school bits and pieces at a time after doing daily chores at the hacienda. He was the first and only member of his family to learn how to read and write. He finished elementary school, sixth grade, at the age of 24. He took extra course loads in high school and college preparatoria, where he studied English and French as foreign languages. Afterwards, he enrolled in the Mexican Baptist Theological Seminary in Monterrey, where he studied Greek, Hebrew, and theology, graduating in 1930 at the age of 30. Uh, he served as a Baptist missionary pastor in churches in Mexico uh, and Texas for 40 years, 1927 to 1967, uh, and he enjoyed the wholehearted support of his wife, my mother, Professora y uh, Poetisa Irene Stalce de Urbina, who was a full partner in his ministry. He and his wife made the decision to immigrate to the United States in 1947 for the specific purpose of providing opportunities for advanced education for their seven children. His thirst for knowledge and his passion for education exuded such an inner glow that it inspired his seven children to earn 14 university degrees. Now, I hold four of those, BA, MA, PhD, JD, uh, and his often stated motto was, quote, the only thing I want to leave my children in this world is a good education so that they will be well equipped to serve God and humanity. Uh, and in closing, I want to mention that in my doctoral dissertation at the University of Texas, PhD, uh, and my dissertation was entitled The Impact of the Texas Revolution on the Government, Politics, and Society of Mexico, 1836 to 1846. And in the uh, page for dedication page, I dedicated my dissertation, quote, to the memory of my father, Reverend Manuel Urbina. He set the example, end quote. Wow! I hope I did not bore you. No, I find I I feel like I'm looking at history. I'm listening to Latin American <laughs> history, which you've done so much. Um, and I want to get into some of the specifics of that in just a moment. But I do, Manuel, want to ask you: yeah. all these years of, I mean, coming from another country and doing what you you had to do to. Uh, support, help support your family, you know, alongside your mom and dad and everything. Yes. 
and and decades and decades of teaching, opening museum, writing, author, which we'll talk about in a few. But what kept you motivated to keep striving to move forward all those years? Well, what kept me motivated, uh, I uh, wrote down the, in the, uh, a questionnaire from Who's Who in America, and this uh, illustrates my motivation, said, how do you want to be remembered? Mm. And this is an answer. It is my fondest hope that I will be remembered as a person who served God with humility in accordance with his guidance and who served his, my fellow man to the best of my ability, fostering understanding and by being helpful in the needs and aspirations of others. Now, could I elaborate on that? In the fostering understandings, uh, I taught uh, college uh, history for 47 years, as I have said before, and then I have workshops uh, for students uh, as well as visitors in my museum that I have already uh, discussed. And by being helpful in the needs and aspirations of others, I have made 30 uh, missionary trips to the mountains of Mexico, being a translator for medical doctors and dentists who volunteer uh, from their medical services uh, helping poverty uh, uh, pockets uh, under the auspices of Time for Christ Missionary Association. So uh, in a, a, a sense, uh, this is the essence of, of my, my being, uh, being uh, helpful toward others. And that, by the way, is what is the essence of the uh, uh, advice that I give to the younger uh, generation. Uh, I give them the advice that I was given when I graduated from high school. My father gave me the advice when I went off to college, quote, to be triumphant in life, one must have vision, ambition, and perseverance. Now, I'll make a comment on this. To be triumphant does not connote to be successful, because successful means, uh, at least in the minds of many people, uh, monetary success, money. No, my father was not interested in money. He was interested in serving humanity. Uh, and uh, when I give this speech to high school uh, graduating seniors, I advocate uh, be ambitious to achieve your greatest potential and to help others to achieve theirs. Also, be ambitious to be of service to society in your chosen field of endeavor. Could I add one little tidbit on this? Uh, in one of the high school uh, graduation uh, speeches that I gave, because I, 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 was, uh, I gave extensive uh, lectures, you know, public lectures, state, local, national, and international uh, forums, uh, in one of the uh, speeches that I gave to a graduating high school, uh, I received a letter from one of the students who was present, uh, and could I read it to you? United States Military Academy, West Point, New York, 24 July 1987. Dear Dr. Irvina, thank you for the great speech that you gave at the LULAC dinner dance. It was very inspiring, and it had a great impact on my decision to come to West Point. This is a tough school 
but I know I can make it because the Lord is watching out for me. I dream of being in your place someday and delivering a speech that will inspire the youth of my day, end quote. I tell you, this means a lot to me because that's what drives me, uh, being uh, helpful uh, in helpful in understanding and uh, helping people uh, to achieve their, uh, their, their greatest uh, potential. Well, you said some very special things all there, but especially at the very beginning, where it's not necessarily about how much money you make, but it's more about the contribution to helping others that you make, because I, I firmly believe you do the right thing and the right thing comes back to you. And yes, it, I agree. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing it to get something back. It just, it just, I think that's the way the universe works to support all of us. Uh, Manuel, tell us about you organizing the National Reunion of Veterans of the Mexican Revolution. Excellent. I'm glad you asked that question. The year was 1988, and uh, the reason why I organized it is the following. My PhD dissertation dealt with the Texas Revolution, 1836, so all the veterans, you know, had already died when I was in graduate school of the uh, Texas Revolution. So uh, there were still some veterans alive of the Mexican Revolution, 1910 to 1917. So I started to uh, uh, seek them out uh, and announce, you know, on, on radio and TV uh, interviews that I was being uh, interviewed, uh, that I was working on that project, and then uh, people started calling me, you know, my grandfather who lives in uh, Sacramento, California, they fought with Pancho Villa, and then some other, my grandfather who lives in El Paso, Texas, and so forth and so on. So I would make trips to interview the last surviving veterans that fought with Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata uh, during the Mexican Revolution. And uh, it came to me as an idea to uh, bring them together uh, in the college where I taught for seven years, uh, College of the Mainland in Texas City in 1988, the first national reunion of veterans of the Mexican Revolution, which was uh, publicized, you know, in, in national Hispanic uh, magazines, uh, and I got the input uh, from across the country, uh, and I also got at least one angry call from a gentleman from uh, Chicago. He said, why are you holding this uh, in Texas City, Texas, uh, uh, in that s small college? Oh, uh, why, this, this is too important. You should be holding this at the University of Chicago, here in Chicago. <laughs> and I told him, well, the reason why I'm holding it in uh, College of the Mainland in Texas City, because I'm a professor at College of the Mainland in Texas City. I'm not a professor at the University of Chicago. So uh, we had a national reunion, uh, and uh, it was covered uh, by uh, uh, the uh, uh, the national news, uh, national public radio, uh, Associated Press, uh, United Press International, CNN. Uh, national news. I also received calls from London Times and from Paris, France, Educational Channel. So again, this was the uh, and, well, the, the newspapers, of course, uh, that, that covered it was very uh, extensive. National Examiner, Examiner, Texas Monthly, National Inquiry, Inquirer, Houston Chronicle, Houston Post, San Antonio Express News, 
Galveston Daily News, the Los Angeles Times, New Orleans Picayune, New York Times uh, quoted uh, me in this uh, occasion, uh, Novedades of Mexico City, El Heraldo de Chihuahua, and uh, also uh, the uh, uh, newspapers in, in Caracas, Venezuela. So uh, I, I hope I covered uh, the uh, information basically on the reunion of the uh, veterans of the Mexican Revolution that uh, I am putting together uh, a collection of all the interviews that I have, inter bilingual interviews, you know, those who fought with Villa, those who fought with Zapata, uh, also the bilingual interview of the, uh, uh, the widows of Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata, and I will place them uh, in, in libraries uh, for future research uh, of, of future students so that they can uh, enjoy uh, firsthand uh, in information of those who fought in the Mexican Revolution uh, and uh, were able to share their, their views with me. You know, I uh, and thank you for that. I want to look at uh, something you published, and I think it was right around 2009, the impact of the Texas Revolution on the government, politics, and society of Mexico in yeah. the, the mid-1800s. Tell us about that. Yes, well... Uh, I can tell you real uh, succinctly how the Vietnam War affected the United States is exactly the way that the Texas Revolution affected the entire country of Mexico. It affected the government the, uh, in the sense that, uh, quote, every discussion uh, of, of, of government affairs being Texas uh, as well as the politics. So uh, p political, the two political parties uh, were the conservatives and the, and the uh, liberals, uh, federales, uh, and they were also bickering, just like we have today, the bickering between Democrats and Republicans here in the United States. The bickering uh, in Mexico was over the Texas Revolution, uh, how they should respond to the Texas Revolution to, to recapture uh, Texas. In terms of society, well, taxes uh, were imposed uh, on, on, on the entire society, uh, and uh, people would bring in uh, corn and beans and a cow and, and a horse uh, and uh, sheep, and children would make uh, bandages in, in their elementary schools, you know, for the, for the uh, Texas uh, reconquest of Texas. So, in a word, uh, the Texas Revolution affected the entire government and the entire political system uh, of Mexico as well as society. Wow. There are so many questions I have for you. Uh, we're, we're just about out of time. Final, final question today, Manuel. For anybody yeah. that is studying uh, Mexican history, Latin American history, all of that, or maybe they want to become uh, an educator, as you have been for many decades, what's, what's your advice for them? What would you want them to know? Yes, well, I would want them to know that uh, the uh, great satisfaction that it is to share knowledge and information because uh, if you choose an area uh, where, you, uh, where you teach uh, and you speak uh, in public uh, forums, uh, you are promoting uh, understanding. And I think that is very, very, very important, promoting understanding between different uh, uh, peoples, between different points of view, between different nations, between different cultures, between different religions. So uh, I would very, very much encourage them uh, to go into the field 
where they will uh, be in the forefront of promoting understand, understanding through education and cultural events. Manuel, uh, just a fantastic career, and you, you're, you're not stopping. <laughs> you're still, you, you're, no, right now I'm writing some books on international law and history combination. My current uh, book that I'm working on is uh, International Ramifications of John, John J. Pershing, General Pershing and General Pancheria chasing General Pancheria into Mexico in 1916 after Pancheria uh, invaded Columbus, New Mexico. So I'm um, combining the international law and the history aspects of it. Uh, and after that, I will combine international law uh, uh, in the uh, uh, in the aspects of the international law in the war between the United States and Mexico, uh, 1846 to 1848. And then I also will uh, proceed that with the international law ramifications of uh, the Texas Revolution, uh, 1836 uh, to 18, uh, 1845. So much rich, rich history, uh, and, and you're a part of it, and that's why we have made you a member of our Education Hall of Fame. Uh, Dr. Manuel Urbina, thank you so much for being here today. Congrats on all of your accomplishments yes. and everything, and I'll look forward if we get a chance to talk together again sometime soon. Include Manuel Urbina the second, you know, because I'm very proud of the fact that I'm the second uh, Manuel Urbina. Because my Manuel Urbina Jr. was my brother who died at, at the age of four, and I was born after he died. So I'm always remembering, you know, my my brother uh, who died uh, because of the uh, needs that. Uh, my uh, uh, family was going through a lack of medication, and uh, I just wanted to add that as a personal note, okay? I, I truly appreciate you for making that clarification, and uh, uh, we remember him as well. Thank you so much for being okay. here today. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quinces. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.